<laughs> this is gonna be good. How sweet is that? <laughs> Bill's concept, man. <clears throat> the extreme, man. It came from his brain. I had a hand in it. <laughs> wow, it is great. What is it? It's an instrument pack for studying tornadoes. First one in history. It's very exciting. Scientists have been studying tornadoes forever, but still nobody knows how a tornado works. We have no idea what is going on inside because nobody's ever been able to take scientific measurements from inside the funnel. That's what she's going to do. How? We put her up inside a tornado. She opens and releases hundreds of these sensors that measure all parts of the tornado simultaneously. You see, Melissa, it's like this. These sensors go up the funnel and radio back information about the internal structure, wind velocities, flow asymmetries. We could learn more in 30 seconds than I have in the past 30 years. Get a profile of a tornado for the first time. And what will that do? If we knew how a tornado really worked, we could design an advanced warning system. Aren't there already tornado warnings? Well, the civil They're not good enough. They're nowhere near good enough. Right now, it's three minutes. If we can get this new information, we can increase warning time to 15 minutes. Give people a chance to get to safety. At least that's what these guys are trying to do. I can't believe you actually did it. Well, we did it. <laughs> How do you get it in the tornado? Well, you got to get in front of the tornado and put it in the damage path and then get out again before it picks you up, too. to your cellar doors rambling is back the podcast that chases down the movies of amblin entertainment taking readings and collecting data in order to help people better detect just what makes amblin amblin <laughs> i am andy godian <laughs> and i am joshua glenn and today to complete our ragtag tornado twisting trio we're very happy to welcome to the podcast a former co-worker content specialist canadian but most importantly friend <laughs> charlotte bailey welcome to rambling charlotte what an intro <laughs> <laughs> i did wonder if you were gonna say friend at any point <laughs> I, I was building friends. i think it's all gonna be That's downhill from know. here <laughs> <laughs> i don't think i'm gonna top this <laughs> she's an f5 friend <laughs> What's F5? It's the highest threatening of Tornado. Oh. In 1996, it's now. In so, <laughs> I, I found this out when I arrived, and they told me there's an F6 now. Oh, okay. So, so you're calling me a hurricane. I'm the most dangerous kind. Tornado. And I peaked when I was, uh, you know, it's six years old. Is that kind of, is that about right? That's what you want to take from what, yes, from the, from the two, <laughs> from the letter and the number that I just said. <laughs> two syllables. Yes. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. It's nice to be here. 
<laughs> and we're very happy to have you here, uh, particularly to talk about this film, which is Twister, Twister, directed by Jan de Bont, from a script by Michael Crichton mm-hmm. and his wife at the time, Anne-Marie Martin. But before we get into all that, what does Amblin mean to you, Charlotte Bailey? Um, I'm not going to lie. The Amblin of it all came to pass when you guys started this podcast, because mm-hmm. there are a ton of movies that when you started the podcast and I became a fan, mm-hmm. obviously a fan of you two, uh, always, but a fan of the podcast, I started realizing that a lot of movies that I had grown up on, I didn't realize had this tangential link. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that, you know, Twister and Casper and, you know, all of these movies that, you know, you kind of saw on TV when when I was yeah. younger. Um, and I also think that it's kind of, when we when I thought about the ways that we co- were connected, I thought it was sort of interesting. I'm, I'm I'm kind of interested in the fact that, like, there's so much content out there now that I feel like the nostalgia that sort of was really peak 10 years ago, like mm-hmm. everyone on BuzzFeed saying, hey, remember this movie, remember that Only movie. Only 90s kids will know this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't think that's going to exist in 10 years because I think that mm. there are so many content platforms yeah. and, like, Netflix, Hulu, like, so many movies, so many, mm-hmm. like, there are No one's going to have seen all the same things. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Whereas, Even now it's hard. Yeah. <laughs> friends are watching it. Whereas, like, when we, when you mentioned to me about Casper, you were like, oh, we're recording Casper mm-hmm. recently. I remember having a proper go at you because I was like, I can't believe you're having this with a man. <laughs> I know, like, four women who are my age who, like, watched it when they were 12, and, like, it was not our sexual awakening, uh, but it, it was something it in there. Something. Something, <laughs> in, something in us turned on because it was, like, this is a boy who is like dotes on you completely and uh is absolutely like crazy about you posts no threat and then he comes alive and he's hot like, that's, that's that's literally it casper was, in a nutshell yeah. <laughs> you I could know, say that you stan yeah i do stan because devon sawa plays it's very good I mean, I don't know who that is, but I remember watching that and being like, this is a serious movie. This is a funny movie, but this, there's something in this about like, there's a girl who's like, who's just hitting puberty. Who's like, Mm. you know, but, uh, but I remember talking about this with girls in slumber party and being like, do you like, yeah, it was, it was a weird thing when he shows up and then he's hotter than the guy that she originally had a crush on and he can fly. (laughs) I don't don't think like the next generation of kids is going to have like that universal experience. I think it's going to be more. So this is interesting to me. Mm. Also, I like the idea of a podcast for movies that like everybody can kind of, everyone in our age group can kind of get in on. So sorry, going back to your question, that's sort of. Where uh, where you guys started the podcast, mm-hmm. I realized there was this thread connecting all these mm-hmm. movies that I grew up on. So many people have used that exact wording, actually. Yeah. What? Mm-hmm. The thread? The thread that connects all these things they weren't aware of Amblin per se. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. It certainly uh, does stitch a lot of things together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And was there a vibe you would attribute to what makes, when you kind of think of the Amblin films that you have kind of mentioned, is there is there anything that is that, what is that thread? What is the kind of connecting tissue in your mind? I think that it is for me nostalgia. Mm-hmm. Like this is not, I am not a film critic. I studied, like my film was my minor in university. But other than that, I don't have a lot of, you know, I can't say like, oh, well, the lighting choices or the, you know, the wide angle lens shots or anything like that. But for me, it's, that kind of is a useful thing. Like some would argue like the Marvel Cinematic Universe all the movies kind of feel the same. Yes. Mm. When I find out what's, when I, you know, discover through the podcast, but also, you know, Wikipedia, but 
um, all of the movies that were in, they felt very diverse. It felt yeah. like he was trying to do, you know, something that was... Like, I like let's that. Try I like this. Yeah. <laughs> like, 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 let's try a bunch of stuff and see what sticks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I can't give more of a succinct answer than that. No, it's but, perfect. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> um, did E.T. the extraterrestrial ever make its way into your life? Yeah, it did. Um, again, sexual awakening as a prepubescent teen. Those boys on bikes. <laughs> Those boys on bikes. First of all, the idea that, like, teens could outsmart grown-ups yeah. was That's something the, that, like, yeah, when, when you're young, you sort of don't think, because the grown-ups mm. are always in charge, and then suddenly you see these teen boys, and, like, I'm sure that if I looked at them now, I'd be like, That's a spotty, you know, 17-year-old <laughs> what or whatever. A dream. <laughs> but, but when you're, you know, these kids who are peddling their, you know, butts yeah. off just to just to say this, and I always cry. I oh. always cry when the finger lights up and he says, I'll be right here. I, I cry every single time. And every, uh, actually, every single mm-hmm. time I watched that as a kid, my dad would always put it through Barrymore and be like, she had some pretty bad drug problems oh, later in life. And dad, I'd be like, no. dad, that's not, that's not what we're doing. We're doing, a, we're doing a wonderful movie about a cute little alien. Um, but oh my God, the scene where like the mm. flower's dying oh, and and oh. he can, and the kid's screaming and he can just feel that like E.T. is mm-hmm. gone. Oh, and his voice and is then just it so comes, croaky. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh. No, it's it, yeah. I really liked ET. Well, that that's the question I was going towards is do you cry at ET? And I'm pleased that the answer is a definitive yes. I need yeah. to go back and I think the time tally the a lot of our earlier guests were very, very uh, stone hearted <laughs> like you are your shit. I mean <laughs> most of the time is turning in my favour I mean, these days. I mean I'm sorry to, to disabuse you of any oh, no. specialness, but like I cry at Nanny McPhee every time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like like there are certain first time Nanny McPhee has been evoked on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Some movies that like tug at my heart, but I cry. I'm a very easy crier yeah. in movies. So I, I yeah, no, I, I same, same. Mm-hmm. It's, it's I'm a cheap laugh and a cheap cry. It takes mm-hmm. very little to to get those bodily emotions. I certainly cry more now, but it still takes yeah, takes a little bit. Yeah, depends what it is and what it's doing. <laughs> I watched um, Lady Bird last night. I've not I've not seen it in what five and a half years now since it was in the cinemas, and yeah. I don't recall it making me cry. But God, I went off like five times. <laughs> 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 I guess it's just the point in life that you're at. <laughs> I'm pretty uh, confident in saying, though, that I don't think any of us will have shed a tear of any kind <laughs> at the film we're talking about today. Yes, as Andrew said earlier on, 1996's Yanderbont Joint Twister. But in case... It's so silly. In case any of our listeners didn't have the pleasure of revisiting this uh, kind of disaster picture... Andrew, please do tell us, what's Twister about? Let's twist again, like we did back in the summer of 1996. (laughs) 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 And rightly so. We open on a stormy old Oklahoma farm in 1969, where a young Joe Thornton, played by future spy kid Alexa Vega, her parents, Richard Lineback and Rusty Schwimmer, and their dog Toby, are at their home and it is hit by a devastating and rare tornado believed to be an F5 on the Fujita scale. The Fujita scale. Which basically means it's really, really bad. It's well bad. Taking shelter in their cellar, Joe's father desperately tries to keep the cellar doors shut but is tragically sucked into the vortex of the F5 and to his death. Fast forward 27 years 
and we catch up with Joe, now played by Helen Hunt, still in Oklahoma, but now a meteorologist and a daring storm chaser who has made the study of tornadoes her life's work. So much so that it has led to a divorce from fellow meteorologist turned weatherman Bill, played by Bill Paxton, <laughs> who turns up on her latest chase with divorce papers and his new fiance Melissa, played by Jamie Gertz, in tow. Reluctant to sign away the love of her life, Joe dodges putting pen to paper by showing Bill the completed version of Dorothy, a device designed by Bill and built by Joe, with the purpose being to launch small sensors to take readings from inside a twister to collect data that can improve the efficiency of detecting deadly storms before they occur. And Dorothy is ready for a test drive. But they're not the only ones in town keen to test some tech. As corporate-funded wiener, <laughs> yep, Jonas, played by Carrie uh, Elwes. Ca- Carrie Elwes. <laughs> I always trip up on Elwes. <laughs> His name, yeah, it doesn't look like you think it would. Or no. Sound like it would. <laughs> Arrives on the scene with his dot device. A shameless ripoff of Bill's designs. <laughs> the little sensors are all cubes. As opposed to spheres. As a developing F1 tornado is detected, Bill finds himself catching twister fever, sucked right back into the thrill of the chase, accompanying Joe and their old team of colourful storm chasers, including Philip Seymour Hoffman's pseudo-stoner and kind of creepy Dustin, mm. Alan Ruck's map enthusiast Rabbit, and Todd, director of Tar Fields, <laughs> in the race to beat Jonas and prove his design, and Joe's team are the superior storm chasers. Much to Melissa's chagrin. However... As they continue to chase the storms, the tornadoes start to increase in intensity and rise up on the Fujita scale until it soon becomes clear that an F5 is on the immediate horizon. Will Joe be able to let go of her trauma and protect both herself and her team? Will B- Bill beat Jonas in their Dorothy measuring contest? <laughs> Will those divorce papers ever be signed? Or is the real twister the estranged relationships we fix along the way? <laughs> you made it sound like this movie has a plot. <laughs> it well, does have a plot. The plot is tornado. <laughs> do you reckon for a time... This is one of the first thoughts I had. Do you reckon for a time they were like, do we call it twister? Do we call it tornadoes? Do we... Twister, tornadoes, twister, tornadoes. <laughs> twister, <laughs> twister, so much cooler than tornado. <laughs> <laughs> I think of you know, Charlie Day's character in the Lego movie. Spaceship! <laughs> it's a movie full of people like that, but just yelling, <laughs> So, Charlotte, this is, uh, we sent you the list of films that we were going to be covering uh, nearish the beginning, I think, of us starting this, or yeah. certainly early in, in, in the early days. And this is, uh, you, you quite immediately jumped to Twister. So, why? And what is your connection with it? Um. So, my dad used to. Uh... We were not a super fancy family. We were not a VHS Disney uh-huh. family. Mm-hmm. But my dad found out pretty soon in Ottawa that you could get, you could rent uh, DVDs from the library. I thought you were going to say Chase Tornadoes. No! <laughs> no! I was really primed. <laughs> so I remember watching it with him. And I do remember, um, I watched it at a time in my life. Mm. I know that this is not a feminism program, but I watched it at a time in my life where I was very aware of the tropes mm-hmm. of like women need to be kind, polite, subservient in movies. Like those those were the things yeah. that I was exposed to. 
and you could be you could fall into that archetype and usually those women were very beautiful or you could fall into the sort of comedic archetype of the shrill nagging Mm -hmm, aging mm -hmm. plump you know what i mean like all of the things that we associated not that there's anything wrong with being any of those Mm -hmm. things but the the things that we associated with like undesirableness Mm -hmm. and i remember very clearly having like and not just in this movie with a lot of movies thinking like oh she's not acting like polite i bet you anything that this would this situation wouldn't be the case if she were a little bit nicer. I remember thinking that about like a bank robbery once. <laughs> I was just like, this woman's she being, be nicer. This, this woman's being held. At gun- yeah, I had a lot of internal. Like she tried smiling. Yeah. Like, like she's this woman's being held at gunpoint. She's yelling at the guy, and I'm just like, if you were just calmer, like maybe this would go easy. But like a lot of things that I really had to question. And I remember mm-hmm. very clearly, you know, we get introduced to this character who is beautiful. How the hell does her white tank top stay white? The whole movie, she goes through mud, and yet her hair has a perfect blowout, and it's mm-hmm. and a white shirt. And I remember thinking quite clearly at the beginning when we're introduced to this character, especially through the lens of Bill, mm-hmm. you know, somebody who's like new, who seems to be new on the scene, even though he's not really. Uh, how difficult she's being! How difficult that she is. Like she's not interested in anyone else getting yeah. their way. She's interested in her pursuits. And thinking like this is this is not someone I'm on board with, and then throughout the movie being like, actually, like, great point, Joe. Like, yeah. <laughs> this is this is really like I don't completely. And I remember when we were talking about this, I was actually thinking like, oh, I gotta rewatch Twister. First time watching uh, Rental on YouTube, by the way. That was fun. <laughs> um, I remember thinking like, oh yeah, I have to. And what do I remember about this film? I remember it kind of felt like a horror movie where mm-hmm. they're chasing the villain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and through the fiancé's eyes, I think that's kind of what it, it is. Yeah. It's like, we could leave. We could get out of Dodge. We could avoid Guys, this. Guys, what you doing? <laughs> exactly. Like, we could leave this place and not come back. And the same way I don't necessarily, like I've got friends who like run marathons and stuff, and I'm like, that's great for you. I don't think that there's something in me that wants to chase that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't completely. But like they make you care about it. And her, mm-hmm. you know, her, her, the fact that she is difficult, but she's right. I think mm. this was one of the first movies where that was introduced to me. That, yeah, like there was a, a headstrong woman who like wanted to, yeah. that, that scene with the divorce papers where she's like, can I read it? Yeah, and yeah, He's yeah. like, you've had all the time. At the beginning, I was like, yeah, you had all the time. Yeah, I'm, I'm 12 when this happened. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, uh, but rewatching it. So something that occurred to me when you said that it was 27 in 19... 19- 96 it was 27 years since the dad dies it's yeah something 20, like that yeah, yeah it's 27 years now since the movie oh christ yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, wow. the, so the flashback season a sequence <laughs> from in the movie is the same as what it is now so i was gonna say like it really it annoys me when movies say present day yeah it's not anymore and i i do think that there are some films where like cgi from the 90s really stands up this was not one of those <laughs> movies. Like, sorry, am I? Am I, I don't want no, to no, 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 no. Well, I didn't know which way you were going to go with it. I was curious. I was curious. That, that's a whole thing that we're going to get our nerves and forks out and, and dig into later on. But that is beautiful. I did not expect such a, a genuinely um, lovely answer. Because you got a lot out. You got more than I think this film deserved. <laughs> <laughs> but it is, uh, it's really nice to hear that even a silly film about chasing tornadoes uh, can, can give you that. Yeah. There, there, there were a lot of things where, where watching it as a 33 year old as opposed to watching it mm-hmm. as a 12 year old I did have some questions that like 12 year old me I'm like what the <laughs> hell does everyone in that in that 
posse do? Why does Philip Seymour Hoffman DJ in every movie and not seem to really add much other than just vibes? I don't, I don't understand it. But as a twelve-year-old, TV feels like, like it's taken a lot of room in that van. <laughs> <laughs> Why is it he whispers to um to Melissa like uh, it's the suck zone? The suck zone. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> so creepy. Freak. <laughs> Andy, have you ever had anything? Have you ever t- gotten anything as, as beautiful as that from the movie Twister? What's your no, I, <laughs> I can remember watching it as a kid, mm-hmm. and I must have been about. It was late nineties. It was definitely in the nineties, oh, and I caught almost it on, contemporary. I think I caught it on, caught it on TV. Like mm-hmm. it must have been around the first time it was on TV in like ninety nine, mm-hmm. something like that. And I can really remember the opening. That was the main mm-hmm. thing that stuck with me because it. Freak me out with the where, with the he's, dad where you can sucked be sucked with the, an arm. He was yeah. right in the suck zone, and it did right like in the it, zone. it did um it did like used to terrify me and be like oh god mm. oh there's gonna be a twist on day that's kind of the mentality I feel like I had with things like lava and quicksand. Yeah. I watched so many cartoons. Yeah. Blame thought, the nineties. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look around every corner. That's yeah. quicksand. I really thought that like as a grown up I would have to know. And I remember uh, like I remember looking quicksand. it up and being like, okay, so you're not supposed to struggle. But that was all I knew. It's just you're not supposed to struggle. So what do you do? You just stay still and, and sink slower? Yeah. You hope you can grab a vine that isn't yeah. a snake. And now it's like, you know what's you know it's more of a problem? Taxes. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how Where like. were the movies that covered taxes? Exactly. Uh, I mean, a lot of movies uh, have made me feel like I was definitely going to be faced with more natural disasters yeah. and have more rides in helicopters by this time yeah. in my life. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the next, we talk a lot about the late 90s period in Amblin, which was very much feels aimed at young boys when you and I were young boys. So I think we're given a lot of, <laughs> a lot of false impressions of life from that, yeah. that period of um, um What about yourself, Josh? Do, do you have any strong prior connection or is it? The strongest is I, I sort of came of age as a film fan in the early noughties when I used to read Total Film obsessively, like pointedly not Empire, but Total Film for whatever reason. I'll go for the second most popular one, please. And they had a... a I used to reread issues all the time. And one of their issues was the like 20 worst films of all time. And number one, this was about 2003, 2004. Number one was Batman and Robin. Because was always the way. It was very popular at the time to, to hate on that film. Uh, erroneously, I must add. And Twister was in there too. Twister was listed in, in that list of, uh, of worst films of all time. So I, I always grew up thinking that this was a, I considered uh, one of the worst films of all time. I can't remember when I watched it. I've definitely seen it once before. I don't remember anything about it as it goes, having rewatched it again today. But um, I remember it not being the worst thing of all time and being quite good, schlocky fun. Mm. And uh, I feel like I was born out. But certainly, we'll get to it more. But I've got a, my real sweet spot is this kind of misbegotten 90s blockbuster. Mm. I really have a lot of fondness for, for this kind of. This kind of uh, schlock. Yeah. I think. And is Jan de Bont a filmmaker you're familiar with at all, no. Charlotte? No, I'd love to be educated. All right. He uh, he started he started out, I'll, I'll, re- I'll reel off a few mm-hmm. titles that he's responsible for because I'm sure you'll get into Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he also directed Speed. Uh, Keanu Reeves, Sandra Bullock, it's great. Masterpiece. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Lara Croft, Tomb Raider, The Cradle of Life. The second. <laughs> so, and so Jolly not, one. not the first one. <laughs> no. yeah. Yeah. Okay. And that's the last film that he directed, and that was 20 years ago yeah. now. 
Speed oh. 2 Cruise Control. <laughs> so, did, is there a story behind what happened to him? Is it, you just I think it was a lot of flops and a lot cut. of yeah. kind of critical, particularly critical flops that sunk him a bit. Mm. I did find an interview with, it was either Collider or Vulture, and he was asked outright, what you've been doing for the last 20 years. And he said, um, oh, projects here and there that didn't go off the ground, pilots, stuff like that. So it's just a, a lot of filmmakers of his age, I feel like, go down mm. a similar road. Yeah. But um, I'm excited to I think talk he produced more about... Like the paper boy. Yeah, yeah. In like 2012. That was ago, <laughs> yeah. Jan, come back, baby. This <laughs> <laughs> uh, seems like a pretty decent uh, avenue to go down mm. in terms of Discussing about the context, so I'll just do. Uh, if you'll humour me, I'll do a little trip down. <laughs> so I read that this actually this, the um, idea for Twister was originated by a screenwriter called Jeffrey Hilton in 1992, and sold to studios initially as a ten-page short story. So I, I, did, I didn't substantiate that elsewhere. I, I did mm. see an article that otherwise was quite reliable. So curious. Uh, it was then picked up by Michael Crichton and uh, Anne-Marie Martin, as you mentioned, who wrote the first script together. Uh, apparently, they said, based on a PBS Nova episode on tornado chasers in Oklahoma and the plots to His Girl Friday. <laughs> sure. <laughs> in the Paxton-Hunt uh, relationship. This, of course, caught the attention of Amblin Entertainment, who came on board for production duties with financial duties shared by Warner Brothers and Universal. Warner got the North American distribution rights, while UIP got the international rights, which sounds like a better deal. And we get that sweet, sweet logo transition in a in a cloudy sky at the start. <laughs> like it. Uh, Spielberg was initially attached to direct before a roster of directors, which included James Cameron, John Badham, Tim Ooh. Burton, and Robert Zemeckis, which would make sense because this has a lot of contacts. <laughs> yeah. Ponder taking over the helm. Eventually, Jan de Bont signed on after leaving Godzilla, which again, this feels like it has a lot of shared DNA with uh, over creative differences, which is something I want to learn everything about. If you you can read that script and it got made into a comic book mm. uh, a few years ago, it's nuts. And it was, would have cost about $300 million. <laughs> <laughs> so. When you said creative differences, I was assuming it was with Godzilla. <laughs> <laughs> she is such a diva. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to leave her dressing room? <laughs> she keeps being like, I want my buildings to smash. What's going on? <laughs> uh, is began out as a uh, famous, well, he didn't begin out as famous. He became known as a famous Dutch cinematographer who worked with the likes of Paul Verhoeven in his mm. early uh, Dutch work. And then later on in Basic Instinct, uh, John McTiernan on Die Hard and Hunt for Red October, and Richard Donner on Lethal Weapon 3. Uh, and he recently made the move to directing to huge success. Mm. Yes, that was 1994's Speed, the mm. Keanu Reeves and Sandra Bullock starring action thriller about a bus that couldn't slow down. <laughs> you had to get that in. <laughs> <laughs> Which made $350.4 million worldwide. On a budget of between thirty and thirty-seven million dollars, still absolutely right. <laughs> I watched it again. Great! Right? <laughs> we were so excited last episode to rewatch it. Yeah, it's so good and like hot, hot key. I mean, they're both gorgeous. Um, and also widespread critical acclaim as well. Pretty undeniable mm. that film. 
So one two Oscars. So Speed Two also follows Keanu as Andrew. No, no, only Sandra came back. back. Oh, okay. Was so, it the same year as Matrix, or was it? Is it ninety eight? Is ninety seven? Ninety eight, I think. It was a bit little earlier. He was busy but, doing um, the Devil's Advocate, maybe. Then? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't want to come back. Apparently, it was in Debont's contract to do a sequel, though. Oh. So he was obliged to come back. This is not a sequel. <laughs> What's guy. your idea for Speed Two? On a boat. Let's go on a speedboat. Much better title. Yes, Cruise control. Uh, so his follow-up, Twister, initially looked to have Tom Hanks in the lead role of Bill Hardy, mm. before Hanks dropped off to write and direct That Thing You Do. Which Bad I haven't it's actually good movie. seen. Yeah, really good movie. I, 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 back in lockdown, when the the Fountains of Wayne songwriter who wrote the song from that mm. thing when he passed away, that that song I've played over and over and over and over again. It's a hell of a song. Yeah, I highly recommend a film. You'd mm-hmm. like it a lot mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, feel very. You both would. Catnip. Good soundtrack. If you like those songs, you know that's also the guy who wrote uh, and produced a lot of the songs from the TV show My Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Oh, really? Mm. Yeah. Why is that? Okay, yes, it is. we need to get his name. It's Adam something, isn't it? Maybe Adam Schleisinger. Adam Schleisinger. Yeah. Schleisinger. Yes, indeed. Good. I'm pleased. Good, good producing there. Good producing. Gave him his flowers. Um, uh, Tom Hanks said that an action movie wasn't what he wanted to do at that point in his career. Hmm. Uh, he therefore fell to Bill Paxton, one of James Cameron's reliable go-tos, who was coming off a run, a bizarre '90s run that included Predator 2, in which he plays a very classic Bill Paxton sleazeball type, Tombstone, and Apollo 13. Which and, I believe was. The film that Tom Hanks went, you know what, you'll be alright for this <laughs> Twister movie. <laughs> uh, Laura Dern declined to play Joe Thornton Harding. Can see it. Yeah, you can, can't you? That Ellie... Ellie Sattler. Quality. Leaving it open for Helen Hunt, who had herself just turned down the role of Terry Carmichael in John Woo's Broken Arrow. <laughs> trying to think what's a better move there <laughs> I haven't seen Broken Arrow the only I've seen American Arrow John Arrow quite a few times is it any good? it's it's what is it, it is it's <laughs> no no it's no is it as good as MI2? it's better than MI2 <laughs> uh, the erstwhile dread parrot Roberts Carrie Elwes I've forgotten already how you <laughs> say it Elwes. Carrie Elwes <laughs> you literally do just say it as it's written which I, I've learned Carrie Elwes literally in the last three hours <laughs> uh, was cast as chief antagonist Dr. Jonas Miller while the pack of tornado hunting super nerds was filled out by the late great Philip Seymour Hoffman and a veritable who's who of hey that guy from that thing <laughs> Alan Rook Jeremy Davis Daniel Faraday from Lost yep great show uh, Todd Field and more which stemmed from Debon apparently wanting theatre actors instead of movie stars. It's a thing that he, okay. he said he was interested in. Hence all the character actors. Uh, which is a very... We'll talk about whether that paid up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Deeply incongruous. When it came to production, Debon insisted on shooting on location in Oklahoma instead of doubles in the UK and California as he envisioned the film as the last great action movie not shot on a soundstage. An admirable pursuit, Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Filming was pushed back in the wake of the Oklahoma City bombing on 19th of April 1995, though, as the cast and crew decided to divert their attentions towards helping with local relief efforts, which is a nice, nice story little, to hear. Yeah, a little bit of solidarity there. When the shoot eventually resumed in May 1995, the script itself was still in no way locked in. Joss Whedon, a uh, bit of a Mr. Pariah, uh, had been brought in to have a pass at the script in early spring before having to leave due to bronchitis and be replaced by Steve Zalian. Zalian himself said, 
For three weeks, I wrote scenes and faxed them to Oklahoma, where the film was being shot. Unbeknownst to me until much later, every page I sent was completely ignored because the director was perfectly happy with the script he already had. The production company was not. Anyway, the point is, there isn't a word that I wrote for Twister that's actually made it into the film. Uh, Whedon then came back and continued making revisions throughout the start of shooting before leaving again to get married. At this point, Jeff Nathanson was flown to set two weeks into production, working on the script until principal photography ended. And Nathanson himself said, I had to write dialogue for the cars like, look out! And here it comes! And get out of the way! Boy, glad he was there that day. (laughs) Going in! Here we go! Uh, Production took place all over the state, including Fairfax, Ralston, Maysville, Norman... Core Lake, and a real drive-in theatre in Guthrie, which is a surname of a former guest of ours. (laughs) The real town of Wakita was also used, with a section of the older part of town being demolished for the scene, set in the wake of the F4 tornado. Wakita itself was chosen after location scouts discovered leftover debris from a major hailstorm that had occurred two years prior, with most of the residents signing up as extras and being paid £100 a day for their troubles. It's quite a fun day out. (laughs) Pretty sweet. Uh, Filming eventually moved to Iowa when changing seasons meant that Oklahoma's topography was drastically altered, with the climactic F5 scene being shot in Eldora and in Ames. Uh, Due to the (laughs) nature... I believe where they shot the final bit, they've left the ruins of the farmhouse so people can go and visit <laughs> get on the Twister pilgrimages. It's a tourist attraction. <laughs> you can just you can just imagine a black market popping up for that can't yeah, you? Yeah. Like, this, this is Twister a real garb. thing and it's like that's driftwood you chopped up with an axe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, this was in the movie. A hundred dollars please. Due to the nature of the action, which often takes place in the background of a shot or layered underneath dialogue scenes a lot of the actors had to do a lot of their own stunts so Devon said in an interview with Vulture they have to do that because I want to be on their faces I don't want to cut to stunt doubles the moment you cut to a stunt double the reality effect is immediately gone <laughs> and he later on said and this is incredible uh, when they ride in the car um, losing the, the Dutch combined, accent yeah, I, I don't know if it's offensive or not <laughs> You've made your bed. <laughs> um, what are these listening, Josh? <laughs> Jan! Fine. And Jen when they ride into car and you combine start falling from the air. That's not German visual effects. I, 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 I can't lie. I'm not listening to a word you're saying. I'm, I'm hearing them. I'm not, I'm not internalizing anything because I'm just thinking, is this awful or amazing. <laughs> I can't tell, because I don't know what this guy sounds like. I was going to say, does Jan de Bon actually sound like that? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe you should just say it like you normally would say it. Uh, when they ride in the car, and the combines start falling from the air, that's not visual effects, that's real. <laughs> we drop those combines hanging from helicopters onto the road as the car was driving, which of course... Makes for the best reaction you can get from the actors because it's goddamn real. They really fall from the sky, and it's not like a little fall. No, it's a real combine and multiple ones, and then they fall to the left and to the right, and you've got to drive around. Jesus Christ! Yeah, it's pretty, pretty, pretty crazy stuff. Uh, d- just another kind of like fabric to 
where he's come from as well. One of his first films that he worked on in mm-hmm. Hollywood was a film called Raw, which is quite infamous for the amount of injuries that there were on set because it's a film about people who keep lions and they shot the real lions and they would get out and not behave on camera. And Jan de Bont himself, as the cameraman, got scalped whilst they were shooting. You're telling me wild animals can take instruction? <laughs> I know, it's crazy, you'd think, right? You'd think that they'd be more professional than that. <laughs> you think he'd learn his lesson, but here he is. <laughs> almost like 20 years later, dropping combine harvesters on Hollywood stars. Do you, do you, do you think, though, like, the, there are so many shots in this film that are just so, like, aerial shots that are widespread what you've seen field after field mm-hmm. and row after row yeah. parts do you think that he was just trying to justify the helicopter budget yeah was like, we're doubling up I know this is a sunset but we're also going to like use the helicopter <laughs> and, and drop a cooler of ice on top of people this Absolutely. is yeah you know, we need that's why we need the helicopter it's not just that the shot is very pretty but Jan we're already over 50 million no that's <laughs> 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 as you were <laughs> uh, so amazingly nothing went wrong nobody was injured and it was a very happy harmonious shoot good one yeah <laughs> no halfway through filming <laughs> Bill Paxton and Helen Hunt were both temporarily blinded by bright electric lamps used to make the sky behind them look dark and stormy because when they got to Oklahoma in tornado season it was glorious clear blue sky so they had to artificially find in camera yeah. ways to make it seem worse you can you can actually see that in some bits, yeah. like you know those some of the scenes reverse where, shots. Yeah, you know the scene where Bill Paxton is like picking up the dirt and he's looking to the Speaking sky. Speaking to the dirt. Yeah. <laughs> no, but but you see the sky and it's all grey, yeah. and then they get in the cars and it's the brightest yeah. day. It's, it's not very consistent. I, I said that the guy I was watching the movie with was like, maybe the clouds move really fast. I, like, like, I don't think yeah, it's, it's that fast. I don't know. It's yeah. a twist. <laughs> Bill Paxton said these things literally sunburned our eyeballs, which is one of the most Ooh. horrible things imaginable. He got back to his room and he couldn't see. Uh, so they found ways to try and mitigate further damage. But, clearly learning no <laughs> lessons, in order to achieve the wind effects, the crew used a Boeing 707 jet, as well as a small battalion of wind machines. <laughs> the actors used earplugs, but no eye protection. <laughs> so they were sticking a battery. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, after filming the first tornado chase scene in a particularly particularly unsanitary ditch, Hunt and Paxton needed hepatitis shots. Uh, and as well as hitting a head on a low wooden bridge during this scene, Hunt is also said to have received concussion during the climactic chase through a cornfield, where she momentarily let go of the car door she was holding on to, and it struck her on the side of the head. DeBont said, I love Boy. Helen to death, but you know she can be a little bit clumsy. And Helen Hunt retorted, saying... Clumsy? The guy burnt my retinas! <laughs> yeah, I mean, driving straight through a cornfield. Mm, yeah. Like, they make mazes out of cornfields, because those things are like They're walls. Sturdy. Like, you, yeah. you saw, you know, when the I scene where, they, hell, where the truck's driving and mm. she's pushing the door yeah, open, I was like, I don't think I'd be tough. able to. Yeah. Like, forget drop and roll. I don't think I'd be able to push the yeah. door open while the car's going, yeah. you know, at least 40 miles an hour. Like, it's just. And they had to really jump out. That's the quote that I read. That was the scene he was talking about mm-hmm. they had to really jump out because there's dialogue during that scene he wanted to see them deliver dialogue and then jump off this moving car 
absolutely as, as we all know when you're when you're straddling an open car door and the actual car that's the bit where the real dialogue really takes place yeah. <laughs> you can't miss lines like look out <laughs> I'm going in alright ready we'll go on free why go on free yeah, well, <laughs> go on go on go on go on go just go now just go <laughs> just go when you're ready <laughs> why do you need to go at the same time <laughs> So obviously, um, this was a set that was conducive to a harmonious relationship between director and crew, and, and everything was fine. Um, so to talk about the film in a wider... No, I'm kidding. Uh, there were also issues between Debon and the crew, with a clutch of members believing the director was out of control and leaving production five weeks into filming. Camera crew lead Don Burgess said that Debon didn't know what he wanted until he saw it, saying they would shoot in one direction with all the equipment behind the view of the camera, that he'd want to shoot in the other direction right away, meaning he had to move everything and he'd get angry it took so long. And it was always everyone else's fault, never his. Debunk claimed that they had to schedule at least three scenes every day because the weather changed so often and, in his words, Don had trouble adjusting to that. Mm. <laughs> uh, no, but I'm going to keep you I, I was going to say, I want to believe you, but you said that already. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> Further tension arose when Debon, in a fit of rage, knocked over a camera assistant who missed a cue, causing Burgess and his crew to walk off set. Says Debon, Visi Vin machines, it was very loud, so the crew had to keep watch for my hand signals. I cued action, it's getting very hurt right now. No, this is why I have trust issues. (laughs) (laughs) I cued action and he walked right into the middle of the scene. We kept losing good performances because of stupid things like that. I don't think I'm hot-headed, hot-headed, hot-headed. But I do believe you. I'll be passionate. These crews get paid well, and when they screw up, I'm gonna call them out for it. I I feel like there's such hey, a. Hey, sounds like a dick. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say that it seems like there's a really pervasive idea amongst creatives that mm. like as long as the art is good, yeah. any amount of like abuse that your crew goes through is yeah, not a big it's deal. Like, but like blindness, physical it. injury. Yeah. But when the art is twister. The well, 1996 movie Twister. Part, well, part of me, like, you know, at the beginning where you were saying, you know, all of these people were trying to contribute. The mm-hmm. production company yeah. wanted to make sure that their input was had. They were trying to fax uh, ideas over. They were trying to attach other creatives. They were trying to get somebody who was getting, you know, uh, what's his face? Um, Buffy guy. Uh, Joss Whedon. Joss Whedon. Yeah. They were trying to get him in, but then he was sort of like mm. half in, half out. Part of me thinks you kind of need somebody with a strong vision in those cases to say yes Steady and no. Steady the ship. Because if you, because yeah. uh, it becomes too many cooks. If too mm. many people have input, mm. then it, you get like a, a puzzle made up of pieces from other puzzles. Mm-hmm. So part of me is like, you know, I can I can respect somebody mm. with a strong vision. But when you hear about directors and, and producers who put their crews through hell, and then you're yeah. right. Like, I mean, Twister, I enjoyed Twister. But, you know, it's not Citizen Kane. No. It's not, you know, it's not something that, like, our, our children's children will watch. It's it's a cute little movie. I would hate to think that anybody got hurt. Yeah. Yeah. You know? It's like the crew members that got permanent damage from The Abyss, which is a film I like very much. But, mm. yeah, it's not his best film. It's not his best film. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, the camera crew were replaced. <laughs> They're yeah. all expendable. A week later, by Jack N. Green and his crew, before Green himself was injured with <laughs> fuck's sake, <laughs> he never ends. <laughs> uh, Jack Green himself was injured when 
This is an insane sentence. When a hydraulic house set designed to collapse on Q was mistakenly activated with him still inside it. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. A rigged ceiling hit him in the head and is... injured his back. Are there any conspiracy theories that, that said it was intentional? Debon did it? Yeah. <laughs> well. <laughs> Maybe the previous camera crew. Maybe it was a union thing. <laughs> uh, then for the... Yeah, so Green was hospitalized as a result of this. So Debon took over as his own DOP for the remaining shots. Mm-hmm. Is Jack um, Green credited on this, right? I think so. Yes, it is. Yeah, he's the final. He must have shot final the majority one. then. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck, cause I, how long was the overall shoot? If the crew left five weeks in. I want to say, when did it start again? I haven't got a date here. I'll go to NDB quick. Started in May 1995. Carry on. <laughs> um, anyway, with with shooting running over schedule rather predictably, Hunt was unable to return to her NBC sitcom Mad About You in time, and the production had to be pushed back by two and a half weeks to accommodate her schedule. It wrapped in September. September. So <laughs> four months. That's yeah. a long shoot. Uh, by the end, DeBont's insistence on multiple cameras covering one setup meant the 1.3 million feet of film were used compared to the usual 300,000. Uh, because the overall skies were not Jesus always available, yeah, DeBont had to shoot many of the film's tornado chasing scenes in bright sunlight, requiring ILM to more than double the original plan for 150 digital sky replacement shots, as well as creating the twister effects themselves. Mm-hmm. I suppose it must be very difficult making a movie that's mm. so uh, weather dependent. Yeah, yeah. like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's not like you can just put like a, a, a like gray lent, like filter no. over the camera. You have yeah. to actually wait yeah. for there to be clouds in the sky. Or you know the things that you do to try and make it look artificially gray end up blinding your actors, so you can't win mm. between a rock and a hard place. <laughs> Poor John DeBond. I have no I, sympathy. Yeah, I was going to say my sympathy is limited. Anybody who gets an assistant poorly. Um, and maybe the most famous question mark effect in the film, the CGI cow. Did you know this was originally a CGI zebra from the non-Amblin movie Jumanji, which feels like yeah, a I mean, ILM just <laughs> yeah uh, going up. Well, we have kind yeah. of a similar template. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> uh, sound effects the cows tornadoes <laughs> were made up of a variety of sound effects, including lion roars, tiger growls, camel moans, and jet engine whooshes. Uh, post-production was such an involved process for everyone that DeBond wasn't available to develop Minority Report, which he was attached to direct at that point, when Tom Cruise became suddenly available, leading to Spielberg taking the reins and giving DeBond the haunting, which originally was a Spielberg joint, to DeBond in return. Mm. So, shame. <laughs> <laughs> the ultimate budget of the film is thought to be around $90 million, factoring in the 2 to $3 million director's salary, last-minute reshoots in March and April 1996, that's and overtime requirements at I. That is so expensive for a film coming out in 1996. <laughs> <laughs> uh, with, when the, uh, with the film finally in the can and all the drama apparently over, the release date was pulled forward from the 17th to 10th of May to avoid audience cannibalization with the first Mission Impossible. Mm. And the tagline, It Sucks, was briefly considered. <laughs> before producers realised this would be an easy stick to beat the movie with. <laughs> they didn't like it. So it's a little bit about the release, and then we can enter the suck zone of discussion ourselves. It earned 
41.1 million during its opening weekend, taking the number one spot from The Craft. At the time, mm-hmm. it had the sixth largest opening weekend of all time, just behind Lion King, Batman, Batman Returns, Jurassic Park, and Batman, Batman Forever. Forever. <laughs> it also dethroned the Flintstones, sorry Claire, as the holder of the largest May opening weekend. The ultimate gross worldwide was $494.5 million, with uh, just less than half of that being domestic. Standing as the second highest grossing film of 1996 behind Independence Day, and at the time, Big the 10th highest grossing film in history. Which is wild. Made a lot of money. Yeah. People were mad for Twister. And critics were mostly positive-ish. They admitted it was pretty dumb, but uh, technically proficient and quite mm-hmm. impressive. Which I think that would be a nice little point to use as a springboard into our conversation on a larger level. Help me! What are you doing? Help me! Joe, the pack's wasted! It's over! What is wrong with you? We can still do this! Jesus Christ, listen to yourself! You're obsessed! You've never seen what that thing can do, so don't talk to me! You've never seen it! You've never seen it miss this house and miss that house and come after you! Christ, Joe, is that what you think it did? No. Jesus, Joe, why can't you just forget it? You don't understand, okay? You'll never know. When's it gonna be enough, huh? How close do you have to get taught to me? Joe, things go wrong. You can't explain it. You can't predict it. Killing yourself won't bring your dad back. Sorry he died, but it was a long time ago. You gotta move on. Stop living in the past and look at what you got right in front of you. What are you saying? Me, Joe. You did hint at this earlier on, but as a spectacle and a technical showcase, what do you think of it, Charlotte? How do you think it holds up these days? So I am sure that I'm approaching this with a far less critical eye than you guys, um, because, you know, <laughs> but, you know, my, my rankings for movies are based mostly on what I like. Like, mm. did I enjoy it? Yeah, I did. <laughs> I thought it was fun. I thought that it had some like really great moments of like lightheartedness and cutting the tension. You know that uh, when they're all driving and they've got the music playing and it's uh i'm not flight of the bumblebee but it's like the oh you've Val- got uh, flight, flight of the valkyries and yeah. then the william tell overtures in there as well yeah and then all of a sudden you've got dr melissa saying no she did not marry your penis <laughs> <laughs> just, well, like, not just your that's, penis yeah that's you know just oh, reading <laughs> yeah. oh it's, yeah it's fun and i can see why it did really well because i think mm. i feel like similar to jurassic park I don't think anybody was going to see a really great, you know, romantic thriller. Mm. I think that people were going to see something they hadn't seen before. I, mm. I've never seen, I don't know if there was a movie before this about tornadoes. About the awesome spectacle of weather. Well, not it, really. No, intense, I can weather, yeah. You know, yeah. intense, intense weather. Wizard and like, I've never seen a twister before this. And I think the next yeah. one I saw was um, The Day After Tomorrow. And there was, you know, Wizard of Oz. Wizard, but you don't really see the tornado. See the suck zone. 
You see the house getting around. Yeah. Right, but that's not seeing the tornado. That's a, a tiny little house that's spinning. Yeah. And, you see, <laughs> and you see outside and, you know, it's, it's, you understand what's happening. Mm. But, like, you don't have that moment where you see a phenomenon that actually does happen in real life. Yeah. It's like, I'm so sorry to let you guys know, but there are no such thing as munchkins. You know what I mean? Like, the, that was, that's a fantasy. But you're able to see two people who are actually, you know what? have a friend who has an obsession mm. and they really want to tell you about it and so you start listening and after a while you're like actually this sounds pretty cool like why don't you tell me more i'm not gonna get into it but you it's seem nice really... to hear you this you happy. Really yeah, into yeah. It. yeah. You, seem, you seem really into it you seem really knowledgeable and this does feel like a noble pursuit mm. so i i feel like if my liking if my liking of it is the same as like what i recommend it sure if you want to watch a movie about tornadoes yeah <laughs> it's, it's perfect it's it's ideal sort of friday night pizza and beer fodder oh yeah there's yeah. nothing it's fun it's nothing deep it's not you know 2001 a space odyssey it's it's just a bit of fun yeah like that's yeah sorry you just said that <laughs> um, but, but it's just it and it does have some decent thrills i i do think that it does have some moments where yeah you know Batting the ball over to Andrew yeah. Gerdion. <laughs> I found it. I, there were a, a lot of details I like. I was like, oh, I don't remember this. I didn't yeah. remember it was set over like 24 hours. I didn't quite realize how many characters are in the mix. There's a lot of, the of characters. Pairing. A lot of names to um, uh, The main thing for me was I really, I was really into the opening of this setup. And I was like, oh, this is nice, hokey fun. Yeah. A strange couple not really talking about it and then being dragged into a large in life situation to uh <laughs> to go toe to toe with a corporate bad guy <laughs> and i was like all right all right all right <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if i got corporate bad guy from him i think i just, just got, got this guy's a dick <laughs> yeah. like, what? what is it they said he's not in it for the science he's, he's in, in it for, for the, the money. money is there money in this <laughs> <laughs> like everyone in oklahoma is obsessed with tracking the, the warring factions yeah. and tornado hunting <laughs> But not even like he's just smug. I just yeah. feel like like you saw these people, yeah. you saw them as plucky, and you yeah. know they've got broken down RVs that like jiggle when they yeah. they hit yeah. the as opposed to the smooth black SUVs of yeah. Carrie Els. Yeah, Els. Ellis. <laughs> Ellis team. And you just think, wow, what a perfect asshole. Yeah, you know. Yeah, he is very nicely established in that. But there's a point. It's about probably a, I don't know about half an hour in after we've had the F one. Um, encounter where they before the F two before the F two, it's around about the time that they go to Aunt May's house and then they set off again. Where I went, this is just going to be a series of sequences where people get really loud and shouty over chasing twisters, isn't it? Fuck it, yeah. Like, and I was yeah. like, and I was like, maybe it will change tact a little bit. No, it just like, <laughs> just slightly increases the size of said twister each time. Having <laughs> said that, I find the most egregious example of of irritating on screen behavior was that very dinner scene when it's a bunch of loud men shouting about tornadoes with mouths full of food. Steak and eggs. Don't and take mash. a bite and then start telling me something. Tell me something before you put the food in your mouth or finish chewing the food, then talk. Yeah. You fucking pig. But it's not Aunt May, is it? It's Aunt Meg. Apologies. It, it, I was going to say, <laughs> it she is gives a... Aunt May style advice. Yeah. <laughs> I do, when I saw Aunt Meg, I was like, oh my God, that's the woman I want to be. Yeah. Just beloved by everyone. Just living like her her life as a single woman and then all the men come to yeah. I don't want to feed anybody but I do want just like but but yeah. the, I thought that that scene was interesting too because I feel like the re, the we never saw their the 
posse. Uh, what do you want to call it? The group oh, of scientists. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, five of whom, whose names I don't know, oh, who I don't... So loosely kind of, yeah, they're just I, there. Just, yeah, <laughs> but they're, but, and Rabbit are the two that... Yeah, but the cartographers the and the... Life was crazy before GPS. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, they're all sitting there and uh, Joe has gone. She's gone to shower, even though yeah. she looks perfect. Yeah. Um, and they're not only they're not only being disgusting with their eating habits, but they're telling Thank a very... Thank you for acknowledging that, by the way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No one else agreed with me. I thought, am I the one this wrong? But no, but, thank you for... This is a very well, chaotic dinner table. I also feel like it was sort of sent to emphasize the fact that, like, the idea that, like, Melissa can't hang, she's not a cool girl. You know, mm-hmm. because Joe was removed from that situation. But not only are they eating kind of, you know, disgustingly yeah. loading up her plate with things that she doesn't look like she wants yeah. and she still sort of looks like she's in shock. Yeah. You know, like we forget that this 24 hours for her is also quite quite dramatic, mm. but they're telling a story about how Joe and uh Bill yeah. met. Yeah. And it's that he was naked screaming at a tornado when he chucked his beer yeah. in. Yeah. And it's and it's didn't so didn't even hit the ground. Yeah. But it's so in contrast to the man she actually knows yeah. and has gotten engaged to. It's so I found myself. It was a point when he's when I think before they get before the second tornado, maybe they go to a diner and he says, "Oh, just go get us a couple cold drinks." And she buys those two lemonades. And then before they can before she can even give the lemonades to him, I was very hung up on the lemonades. He's like, "There's another tornado! I'm gonna go with my ex-wife. You go with Rusty." Yeah, he's very he's it's quick like, to like. You just... didn't ask her. I mean, she, she said at the very start. Oh, it's cool if you want to go. It's quite interesting. She didn't know, though. She even says, I didn't know that you literally do chase tornadoes. Yeah. That should have made him think, oh, her initial blessing to do this is not carte blanche. I should listen to her and think about her. Bill's a prick. I think he's an asshole. I I do feel for Melissa. Yeah, I did too. And I I liked having that character there as also the kind of factor that grounds it a bit to be like, after each chase, she's just like, that was the most terrifying experience <laughs> yeah, I've ever yeah. had in my life. Yeah. Why are you doing this? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know I said this earlier, but like, it really feels as though this is a horror movie where like yeah. they're chasing the scary thing. Yeah. And she's like, why? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I really, I feel for her too in that, and I hate that a lot of movies in the 90s did this because it's like my least favorite trope, is that someone is in a relationship at the beginning of the mm-hmm. movie and then another person enters that is clearly a better match. Yeah. Yeah. And then somehow the first partner is like cuckolded in some way. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and then when they break up, the person who was embarrassed or or disrespected yeah. in some way is just fine with she, it. She's like, you she's, know what the weird thing is? I'm not even mad about but, it. I like, they did that in like that movie. Fuck, but, yeah. yeah, they did that in that movie. They did it in You've Got Mail. Yeah. Like, and, the and, Bill Pullman character. Yeah. Yes, because... The, the, the Bill Pullman character who says to Meg Ryan... Is it Bill Pullman? It's one? not Bill Pullman. Is no. It, it's Sleepless in Seattle that's Bill Pullman. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Whoever the equivalent is in that film, he kind of goes... He just gives her... He says to her, oh, fine, go. Yeah, he's just Don't like... Feel bad. He's like... It, cool. it kind of... He sort of says this thing where he's like, oh, yeah, I guess we should break up. And it's yeah. like, that's not... If, if I was with somebody who I was try, getting engaged to, who I heard over the radio say to his ex-wife... Break it you've got me like yeah. i am your person yeah. that would be a whole conversation <laughs> like that would yeah. have, this? That was, you've, you've got you've got bill taking melissa on this this trip she doesn't she's ter- clearly terrified by and not caring about her and also yeah subjecting her to really unpleasantly for her intimate situations with his ex-wife and then the film almost like hand webs that away by making her say it's all good 
it's not working for me either. It's fine. You don't feel bad. You did nothing wrong. When yeah. in reality, yeah, he, he, he does a lot be. wrong. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, which is probably in shock. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know, and all fairness to her, she's making the right decision. I wouldn't. <laughs> but but that's something that we see in both Joe and Bill, isn't it? It's yeah. that their behavior is justified because their pursuit is a is one that we see value yeah. in. Yeah. But it's not actually true. I also think that there's sort of a trope that's going on here that is less. You know the thing that happens in sitcoms where a character says, you'll never see me in that sweater in a million years. <laughs> yeah. And then you cut to them in the sweater. We're not going to add that. Yeah. yeah, it's literally that with like, I'm not back, I'm not back, I'm not back. Five seconds later, yeah. it's like, okay, yeah, we're going to go. We're going to go and like, yeah, just get the lemonades yeah. and like, I'm I'm in this now and I'm ready to drive the van, the, yeah. you know, the van into a tornado twice. And those two lemonades, you see them on the car roof just fall off. Oh. Yeah. They look good. They look refreshing. And I always, like, I feel the balance between even, like, Bill and Joe is quite weird because mm. I feel like there's a lot of, a lot of means where you can make Joe a lot more the just solo, solid lead mm. of this. And Bill is there and I guess because it's a double movie star pairing yeah he they have to kind of give him stuff to balance it out yeah. reading dirt and talking to yeah. dirt yeah, and but... I was a bit like okay <laughs> <laughs> Why, give that to Joe isn't it yeah, <laughs> no, but, but I actually think that wouldn't work because I think that when he touches the du- the the dough the dirt <laughs> he's seen as like the mystic and mm. women as witches would not be taken seriously. <laughs> I'm serious. Like, yeah. think about, like, if a woman, like, touches dirt and she says, ooh, this crystal, it's it's making me think that the energy's aligned. Some people would say, okay, you know, go back to TikTok and roll their eyes. But, but you know, if a man does it, it's, I don't know. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. I just, I think that it's interesting yeah. that, that they, really, it's a movie about two people who are very difficult. And, like, I don't completely understand Bill's backstory like no i know that they were married and mm. i know that he left and then somehow he became pleasant a pleasant calm weather man yeah who got i'm not a... too sure what like, it's never fully clear why they broke up it's just yeah just, like, because she was insinuated too she's and... too intense into yeah the the chasing of it she all which he al- also clearly loves <laughs> yeah the whole thing about like chasing the hurricane chasing twisters yeah. chasing trinity i don't remember but you know i thought twisters. it was a metaphor and it's like no yeah it's joe she's the real twister yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? and she's the one he's been chasing except he hasn't he went away he yeah. had a whole other life where he became a small weather personality yeah. on like a local news station yeah he found a partner who was clearly not as well suited to him yeah but also like gave him a sense of calmness and stability and he got mm-hmm. a very pretty truck that didn't yeah. need to be battered through yeah. you know, weathering <laughs> tornadoes. How did Melissa get home? She, she was uh, at the drive-in that, still, right? Yeah, she yeah, was at the drive-in. She had, no had, at she had the hurricane and then the ambulances showed up. Oh, I guess that's and then he said, and, and she said, I'm going to go back to the... I'm going to go back. And she said, okay, I'll see you at the motel. Mm. And she said, I won't be there. Yeah, so I think yeah. the idea is she's going to find her fair. own way. Yeah. I'm getting yeah. out of here. <laughs> she's a high paid, what is she? Uh, what, she's a therapist. therapist. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, a reproductive therapist. Yeah. Can I just say, I know that this is completely tangential and not at all the plot of the movie. This However, is all right. this <laughs> <laughs> I really We will know. commit. Okay, so here's the thing. From the phone calls that Dr. Melissa takes, yeah. There is a male and a female who are a partner who are having reproductive issues. Uh-huh. And the male clearly thinks that the the female partner is only with him because she wants to have a baby. Mm. And she, she he didn't get married for his personality. 
he got married because of his reproductive capabilities. And that's why the scene, she didn't marry just your penis. And then she gets, the phone gets passed to her and we hear Dr. Melissa say, you know, it's normal to feel frustrated, but like this baby is not going to be born the natural way, even if you're standing on your head. And I'm just thinking, what the hell was the conversation those two were having? <laughs> yeah. so, so the guy feels like he's not enough for her and she's worried about sexual positions. What is the conversation happening? I know this is not the point of the film. I know this will probably get cut. But I'm just like, what no, was happening in therapy? I, no, I want to know what that yeah. narrative is. Going yeah. on. <laughs> I want to see the Rosencrantz and Guildenstern <laughs> from the <laughs> point of view. No, from the, the caller's point of view. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just like, just like, how did that guy get to, you know, she married me for my penis. And then pass the phone to his wife or girlfriend and have her say, she's not letting me stand on my head during sex. <laughs> how did that happen? I need to know. I agree. <laughs> if anybody out there knows, please do tweet yeah. us at Ramblin um, or email us <laughs> um, Can I ask a couple of questions about Dorothy? Yes. Because I'm not too sure how it was ever supposed to work. Because they, 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 they completely redesigned it. But at the yeah. same time, each time they try it, there's like no clear, like, it's quite bad at like setting up exactly what it's supposed to Yeah do how it activates because every time they just never seem to mm. activate so, it <laughs> so, I, so i i mean i can only do this is just conjecture yeah. but what i think i took from the movie is this the uh hurricane is spinning and they're mm -hmm. trying to get as close to the edge of it as possible so that then the up thrust of the spinning carries uh, them out yeah the actual uh balls get pulled up um, and taken away but they can't do that because they're not aerodynamic they're not light enough mm. to be taken away as close to they have to be almost touching the hurricane and because of that they haven't been able to get close enough which mm -hmm. is why when they do the thing with the soda cans by the way lovely bit of detail is that the the people when they were cutting out the soda cans yeah. like, bloody hands bloody yeah. bloody hands yeah. that's exactly that what would have happened yeah. that is a nice touch yeah. yeah but it's probably just what happened going yeah. by the yeah, issue yeah yeah <laughs> Jan made them do it for real yeah. Yeah. but one of the things i liked about this is when they were cutting out the cans i said to myself i was like you know what this means is uh, fucking Dread Pirate Roberts with the cubes, even less aerodynamic. Yeah, yeah. even less, less aerodynamic. Because the balls look, look dicey as hell, but yeah. cubes? What oh, are you just thinking? Wings. <laughs> yeah, I bet it was one of those things where you make up, you get around patent laws by changing it yeah, just yeah, enough. Yeah. It's, but that shows what a doofus he is. Like, misunderstanding the fundamental nature yeah. of aerodynamics required for this experiment to work but josh he's so handsome <laughs> he's handsome he's a i mean the, the fate of dr jonas miller at the end of the film it reminds me some questions of, about this as well you, you were a fan of the american office right the american version of the office uh i've watched some episodes but i've never oh really die hard there's a moment that's like the shark jumping moment in that show for a lot of people when it kind of crosses a line with regard to how dumb michael truly is and he's following his gps so um closely that he takes a right turn into a lake. Yeah, yeah, And for yeah. a lot of people, myself included to a point, that's where you go, right, this is a cartoon now. This is this is a different character. Mm -hmm. And I think Jonas gets one at the end a little bit like, <laughs> we're driving straight into an F5. Realistically, any pettiness you have, you've got to put aside for the sake of yeah. not dying. But and no, even like this, his co-pilot is like, hey, he wouldn't, he wouldn't, he would, he would tell us if like it was yeah, dangerous, and yeah. he's telling us. Can I, can I say though, I thought that that was really, I know that this was not the point of that guy saying it. It was just to lend some reason to the conversation. But I thought that that was a really nice touch in the sense that like 
the crew did not hate Joe and Bill's crew. No. Yeah. Like, they saw themselves as, like, this guy would not lead us astray. We're both racing for the same thing. Yeah. yeah. But there's sort of a, a shared brotherhood style yeah. thing. With, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that to be sexist, but there were not a lot of women chasers. There were no. two. No. So, like... It was Joe and there was I, the other one that yeah. had bloody hands. But, like, brotherhood, sisterhood, like, like a togetherness mm-hmm. about, like, this is dangerous work. Mm-hmm. It's a community. Even yeah. if you are kind of within your own faction within it it's still a community there's not a lot of people that are doing this incredibly extreme thing that all of you are doing (laughs) not a lot of of people are that crazy so kind of on the point of jonas and their 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 fate i thought it was really mean that it was eddie the driver that got the metal girder impaled impaled for him and not the Snivelling wiener bastard yeah. that is Dr. Jonas. <laughs> <laughs> Snivelling wiener bastard. Sounds I mean, quite appetising. I'll have one of those. <laughs> I think it would have been too revenge fantasy for, for Carrie he Elms to... Yeah, but like, I mean, Andy, he definitely still died. Like, he, he definitely did not survive having no driver I just thought it was like, like, in a tornado. It was really harsh that they just like, was, impaled this yeah, guy. It's the only only violence you see in the film really, really? is that one yeah. undeserving guy getting it. Ah, I mean, to be fair, like, mm. like real question. Yeah. If you were going to die, I mm. feel like I'd rather be impaled and have it be over almost immediately rather than suffer. Like, what if it missed all the vital organs and he was just lying there in pain? It was the worst it was of both a, worlds. It was a the car blew up shaped, as well, right? The car did blow up. That, I mean, yeah, yeah that it was be... a triangle-shaped scaffolding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and it hit his chest right, his square chest. So you're pretty confident that got the heart? Or at least yeah, I'm pretty, punctured the lung? Yeah. I'm pretty confident that he's just... There's De- not dead straight there, away. Yeah. In that, in that, if you can guarantee death then and there, I'd probably take that over the, I, over I, the alternative. Yeah, other than, over the alternative of... You know what? I think I'd like the ride. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to go in the vortex. <laughs> <laughs> I, Honestly, where I end up. Snivelling <laughs> me the bastard. That was right. another thing as well I forgot to mention when I watched this film as a child. Because that ending, the beginning even, was so seared in my head. Mm. I honestly thought when I watched that film as a kid that the whole point of it was she was chasing them because she was hoping to find her dad <laughs> in a, a tour. When's it going to be enough, huh? <laughs> Killing yourself won't bring your dad back. <laughs> I'm sorry he died, but it was a long time ago. <laughs> It's time to move on. Oh, you could read that in a Garth Marenghi voice, couldn't you? And it's, yeah. uh, I'm sorry he died, but it was a long time ago. It's time to move on. That is sort of how kids' brains work. Yeah. It? It's like the scarier thing is the unknown. Yeah. Whereas like the guy getting impaled is like, oh yeah, I saw that. But like for all you Where's know. Dad? Yeah. Yeah. Especially yeah. with all the like the, the Toto looking dog mm. and stuff like that. You're like, how much fantasy is actually in this? Is this a science movie or is this like, yeah. are they getting swept away to you know a secret planet or atlantis because yeah. or... even when like when the f5 comes back at the end i was like it's the same one <laughs> <laughs> yeah and on a similarish note the hurricane the tornadoes do have personalities <laughs> the amount of times they go missing or yeah. like jump out from behind corners like hello <laughs> where is it where is it i'm back but i'm bigger <laughs> <laughs> it's coming for us it's already <laughs> and it's a similar thing actually in Godzilla there's for a, an insurmountably the huge lizard one. monster the, the Emmerich one yeah, yeah. He, he's quite there sneaky. is a moment when she vanishes <laughs> how do you lose it <laughs> it's such a weird late 90s thing of this huge thing they're chasing mm-hmm. that vanishes and can sneak up on you when it's convenient dramatically 
<laughs> well, speaking of vanishing, I think the bad guy vanishes quite a lot. Like, quote-unquote, bad Jonas. guy Jonas. And I did read that they, it was originally rated R, and they cut a load of, like, some more violent scenes really? out, and some more swearing oh. out. And a lot of that meant a lot of Carrie Elvis went out. I can't imagine this working with an R-rated movie at all. I guess if you just went a bit more into the injury detail mm. of it. Uh, apparently a lot of Philip Seymour Hoffman was cut out as well. I don't I don't know if I think it would have worked as well. Like, I don't know that I think that what this film was mm. missing was gore. Mm. Yeah. You know? So there's an innocence like, to it, I think. Yeah. Makes it yeah, well, it, I charming. think... Not, I don't know necessarily about an innocence, but it's simplicity. Like, it's, it's a pretty basic plot. Tornadoes. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. you know what I mean? You can watch it's it as not, an eight-year-old and get it. Yeah. <laughs> it's not about, like, hacking, slashing, sure. whatever. Just the, the pursuit of tornadoes seems quite pure. And as annoying as the band of super nerds are, it's quite a pure... I just want to see the tornado. It's They're just really cool. enthusiastic I think, about I think that's hobby. the hobby. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to see, yeah, I don't want to see mm. Effin and Jeffin and Impalings. I love those things, but not in Twister. <laughs> I, I will say, though, that, like, the... So... So when they go up and the zebra that actually Ze- became a... The zebra cow. Yes. yes. <laughs> the zebra cow. Jumanji's CGI zebra. Yeah. Great CGI. But there were other times where I was just like, this mm. is... The, the CGI that was related to the tornado really took me out of it. <laughs> yeah. How bad it was. And I definitely think that there are some movies from the 90s. Like Jurassic Park. You look at it and you're like, yeah. I can't believe they were able to do yeah. that. Yeah. And it holds Still up. Still looks good. Because it's yeah. used supplementary. Whereas it's not the main focus that in Jurassic Park is used to supplement the other stuff. And yeah, it's but like the when the eighteen wheeler truck blows oh, up, yeah, yeah it's and quite it sort rough. of comes towards. You. I think that it worked really well though in the scene where they were. I don't remember the F classification, but you know when Joe and Bill are in the yellow van mm. and they try to get close. I think it's their second attempt at using Dorothy. Yeah. They have to hide under the bridge. I think that's um, an F two. I think that's <laughs> yeah. the F two. That's when they get hepatitis in real life. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There, the hail is coming down from a helicopter, and really uh, fired at them in real life as well. Yeah, yeah. and Jesus uh, Christ, and you can tell that they can't see out the windshield, and it looks really blurry, mm-hmm. and and the CGI was really blurry, and I was like, that's that's perfect. Yeah. show me that you can't see it clearly. I can accept that. Yeah, but you show me really crazy intricate lines yeah. that look like like you could, did you guys get reboot over here? It was like a, a I've heard of reboot. I've never never seen it. it, it oh, the sitcom with. No, that's quite a recent one. No, yeah. it, it was like it was from the nineties, and it was a kids' TV show. And oh. It just it looked it was just it was meant to be really futuristic robots, <laughs> yeah. and it was it was very nineteen nineties. You know what? We can cut this part. <laughs> Bad CGI can, can really take Most you out Canadian of the film. animated a Canadian animated series. Yeah, here go to images. <laughs> okay, so click that. What are we seeing here? Holy mackerel. Yeah, robots and aliens. This is not going to be great for a podcast. Like, That's quite all right. I, all of your viewers it looks like, oh. um, it looks, yeah. it looks like a 3D movie maker that you used to get with Windows. This looks like But Ugly Martians as well. That, that was something we got. Oh, I Christ, it's quite nightmare fuel. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. It, it was, yeah. Twister comes at this weird point, though, doesn't it? In the like kind of mid to late 90s where everyone's going like, ooh, CGI? Yeah, yeah. What can it do? And... Where we're kind of like talking to the Jurassic Park factor, the scene where I think it works really well is the drive-in because it's all it creeps up on you in the dark, and then the only kind of like you see the kind of physical destruct, destruct, yeah, destruction, 
and then it has a lot of fun playing with like tearing up the screen when yeah. the shining's playing and it just yeah. tears up that that's probably my favorite image of this the whole movie is that moment but then you get to like the final act and it speaks to what you were saying when you see the big f5 it's just a big boring black funnel that looks a bit janky yeah. <laughs> yeah. i gotta say like the m5 the first reveal of the, at the drive-in you're right where it's like you know they're watching the shining behind is is pitch black and then you see the thunder and you actually see it yeah that felt very dramatic mm. but then you get the the scene you know past where they check on at Meg and, mm. and, and when they save her from the collapsing house yeah. that injured which, the GOP. Which, by the way, did you mention that Poltergeist was also an emblem film? Yeah, that was one yeah, of the first. That implosion really reminded yeah. me very Poltergeist. Little girl at the start, uh, very Poltergeisty too. When yeah. the way the light comes through the hatch and illuminates her face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, she's at, and she's looking yeah. at the doll. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, but the scene, you know, they they save Aunt Meg. Uh, they continue on and then in the sunlight they're chasing the tornado mm. and they're so close to it in that red truck yeah yeah and there's no music and there's no fanfare it's I just like that as well actually it yeah. was such a denouement from all of the you know we've gotten so excited about these and now it's like this is the big one this is yeah. the the one you've been the what did they call it the thumb of god the oh um, they do call it oh did they call it? I can't remember but it's something like that it's terminology like, yeah. yeah the uh Something like that. And I was just like, are you... Surely there's part of you that's like a little psyched. You know what I mean? Like, this is what you've been waiting for. I guess for. That, that's a set piece with the, the cartoon log that traps their tr- thing, right? When, when the, oh, when it gets underneath. Before gets stuck they underneath fix Dorothy. When we first have the F5, the log, the log, the, the tree trunk it gets under the, the, car, the truck. And the balls yeah. fall over. And that's when he says, you can't bring your dead dad back. He's dead. Um... So I guess that's like the, the, the taster before the main, main mm. climax. So I mm. guess they, they don't want to give it too much fanfare to save you, <laughs> to save the audience. I I suppose that makes sense in a way. but As I, much as anything in this film makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right. I'm trying to, I'm trying to make sense for chaos. <laughs> I'm trying to see, like, why did they, you know, this could have been up for an Oscar if they'd only, <laughs> they'd only followed my notes. And I think this all kind of kind of touches upon what I think is just a fundamental problem with this film is that you've got a bunch of people chasing something mortally dangerous and it's them running after weather getting caught in the weather and thinking oh shit we've got to run away from the weather now and it's quite difficult to really emotionally invest in people that are reaping what they sow in such a yeah. way and you mentioned it's like people chasing a monster with a monster there's a de- definitive dramatically satisfying end point where you kill the monster and that's the monster done for. What are they aiming for in this? To be able to better understand the monster so they can run away better from it next time. It's really like, there's not a way I think this film can really stage a set piece that's going to be satisfying dramatically. And the closest it gets, I think, is the driving scene, which is good because they're taken unawares by it. It's the only time they're really taken unawares mm. by it. And there it plays like a B-movie. Yeah, and it... And it nods to that with the drive-in setting um but I, just, I think it's rigged <laughs> against it but even to start. like your analogy of it being like a monster it's like they then follow up that scene by it doing a personal attack <laughs> on on, on yeah, yeah 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 <laughs> back and whack <laughs> this time it's personal <laughs> <laughs> but i i was actually going to say i disagree with that because, oh, okay well, well because, interesting because i, I when do I, want to know yeah well, when i came into this you know a couple of days ago thinking oh yeah i really need to rewatch twister last time i saw it i was a teenager mm. it's you know it's been a while 
there was part of me that was thinking like what is the point of this yeah. and i think yeah. that they did a really good job of reminding us the point with mm. yeah it was a two nail right on the you know hammer hit meat nail perhaps perhaps it was just too basic but like i also kind of this is this is me going on a tangent now but like i also you can't kind of, do that <laughs> well i kind of worry that like you're right it's not satisfying mm. it's what would be really great is if they threw a molotov cocktail in the Just... tornado and then it blew up and then there were no more tornadoes because the tornado gods were like oh shit they've got molotov cocktails and then bill paxton was like yeah and he flipped them off you know and there was an eagle in the background and the american flag waved, and joe was like hell yeah and she was yeah. she ripped off her shirt and she was wearing a bra with the star stangled yeah. banner on it um yeah that would be very satisfying but like truthfully i do i mean here's the thing i'm not a scientist but from what i understand this is how science you know? works is that you know you have to get more information yeah. and then things actually do yeah. progress and in terms of making if i were to say to you guys i'm going to give you 90 million dollars mm. and i'm going to attach a bunch of people who you don't want working on this <laughs> film to this film <laughs> but you have to make it it has to be about twisters and you have to be rooting for the people who are chasing twisters Running into, yeah yeah i don't know a way you could have we could have yeah. made it a more like helping just, people think, is, yeah. is noble in itself yeah like, for sure yeah and like you say when when you see the wreckage of um i forget the name of the town when you see Wakita. the ruins Wakita. You do think okay, so you, that gives you a sense of the stakes of what they're fighting for. But is it on a sensory level the the visual language and the sort of the the, the sensory journey this film is priming you for is one that usually has a definitive killing of the monster at the end of it. But in this film, that is eternally evasive, and I just think viscerally, this film can never quite. It's almost almost doomed to never quite get you there. Or certainly that was my experience with it. Yeah, I guess because it's. You can't ever actually get in it. Like, if that yeah. makes... <laughs> all, all, the, the, the victory at the end is they managed to get the the new adapted Dorothy in the thingy, and then they just hold onto a rail, and that's it. <laughs> I quite like that goes... beat when they go in the barn and there's all the knives <laughs> and yeah, shit. Yeah. Like, Who the hell are these people? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a fascinating attempt to square a circle. I know, I know what you're saying. I do think trying to make exciting the noble cause of helping people is itself noble but it just it makes for a very peculiar bit of dissonance i mean the end i do admire to a point <laughs> i do i wouldn't i don't disagree with you that the ending was slightly lackluster first of all i hate an ending where <laughs> they where like they found that the two lovers come together and therefore they abandon the thing that they've been doing the whole time you know what i mean like Rachel gets off the plane, even though she was going anyway. Yeah, the, the the woman says, "I'm gonna quit my career," or the husband says, "That thing, you know, that thing I've wanted to do, whether it be like, you know, doing rodeos or being you a know, weatherman, being a weatherman or whatever. I'm just gonna abandon it all because I have love now." And they're like, "Oh, you know," and Philip Seymour Hoffman comes and he's like, "There's another one down the street," and she's like, "I've seen enough because I'm with my man." And it's like that wasn't the point. <laughs> wasn't the point and they immediately get into a, a lover's quarrel about you know i'm interpreting the data and yeah, it was like, yeah this is so i would have been absolutely fine if they had just looked at each other and been like oh, what's the future hold i don't yeah. know a graduate style ending let's yeah. just see where we go with our data i guess <laughs> yeah. like congratulations we did the thing now let's not just give up the pursuit because it they did the thing once. yeah 
they did, they did a thing. They did. Angela Bassett's not in this film. That's a dated reference already. <laughs> 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 I got the response it deserved. <laughs> Just slightly dismayed. <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> yeah, we'll cut that. So, oh, no, we won't. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they do do the thing. You are correct. You know, they, 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 it's like they know they're in a movie. It's yeah. like, we accomplished yeah. the task, and now we will never want for anything again. <laughs> Let us kiss. We've Let's... cured tornadoes. Yep. <laughs> no, we haven't. I did have a slight sigh of relief when, because, you know, just as the F5 is going and uh, they're trying to get into the bar and you see horses running around, it's like, mm. oh, God. <laughs> More animals are just going to get into get into the suck zone, but they're, they're, he has the the right sense of mind to show the horses nice and safe. How I don't know. I, I actually, they attach said, themselves to a bar. Or I actually said out loud, "The horses like." Yeah, I think I did too. Yeah, you're right because horses like. You can't, you, you know, they break their legs so easily. So like, not a scratch. How do they survive not, not a chip's nail, as far as the horses are concerned. Yeah. Nah, they were fine. They weren't zebras. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny to me that all the set pieces in this $90 million summer tentpole action movie are people just hiding beneath things, waiting for a yeah, storm to pass. Yeah, just waiting I hope it don't hit me. <laughs> <laughs> Half the time it does pass. <laughs> yeah, mostly it does. Oh my god, it's funny, I, man. Yeah, it's a funny movie. I it, think I love it. It actually. feels like a, it. It feels a w- little weird as an Amblin movie yeah. to me. Why is that? There's just something, a, a sense of a vibe of it. I was thinking, it, like, it reminded me a lot more of like a Jerry Bruckheimer production. So he, like, so he, like, around this time he was making like Bad Boys and The Rock, mm. and. Well, days of thunder a bit earlier in the 90s or, or like that kind of feeling of something that's just a bit more hyperactive and just going going for broke with its uh both the kind of cg spectacle and just being quite brash about the way it was doing it mm. and slightly irritating yeah and, and part of that as well is like mark mancina is the guy who's the composer on this and he did the bad boys theme and the score of this sounds very close to the bad boys score, score. Of this is and insane. then there's also van halen contributing <laughs> <laughs> do you know what the track at the end's called no. respect the wind <laughs> no oh my god respect the wind tame the tornado <laughs> Yeah, Van Halen and Mark Mancini did track <laughs> Respect the Wind. This, this score is so funny for this yeah. film. <laughs> but they'll lose their minds getting in their vans and chasing the, the F3 or 4 or whatever it is. And you go, wing, 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 wing. It's so it's fun. It's so <laughs> I did find the, the diegetic music choices interesting. Mm. Oh, you know what I mean? Like Really when, bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> But like that switch between the actual soundtrack that was the score and mm-hmm. uh, and the music that the characters were choosing to play was yeah. very like like they were getting hyped. They they you know that they just went home and like there were no iPods then. They weren't making a yeah. playlist. They were like doing it on cassette tapes and they were like, <laughs> yeah. This is the song I'm going to play yeah. while we're chasing that, like, the F two music videos as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With this whole rigging system to speakers going out the front of the car. <laughs> I would love to talk to 
a real storm chaser because yeah. from what i can gather this is quite a respected film in that community they, they're big fans well i can't think of another one like well I can't there think isn't of another <laughs> film about the storm chaser. he said he spent a lot of time a lot of the uh, the dialogue and a lot of the interaction yeah like kind of like improvise uh, like the or, major or organizations that are involved in the actual data collection and who mm. do do who do fund these storm chasers to go out and collect it is they had they had quite a good hand like Crichton went straight to them when they were developing the idea yeah and like even to like when bill paxton died a group of storm chasers went out and with like i've got it here um they spell out bp with their gps tracker blips on a radar display mm. as a tribute to him which like i think really speaks to how this film struck a chord for and yeah it, weird connection but i was watching um a featurette on the fast and the furious blu-ray <laughs> and there's like there's a whole featurette dedicated to street racing and the culture of street racing right. and people from that culture talking about how much they really really love the fast and the furious yeah. because it's like yeah they came to us and they chatted to us about our weird thing that we do yeah. <laughs> but it's it's quite a different thing isn't it when you consult the communities that are mm. involved in the thing that you're making art about, yeah as opposed to just like oh i'm an outsider like let me tell you about let me cuban tell you how impressionism, it is yeah even though i am not cuban and i have never spoken to anybody from cuba yeah. about impressionism yeah whatever, it's just going to be a different yeah piece of art yeah. isn't it for sure can i yeah. Those are like, just to go back to what you're saying about um, when you got a friend who's passionate about something and you're like, I don't really care, but the way you're talking about it makes me want to hear more about what you're saying. Yeah. For the community to be approached by a Hollywood production, that must be so jazzed. Oh, you care Absolutely. about us. That's so cool. Yeah, please. Um, and, you know, it sounds like Jan de Bond did, did give a shit. I think it was more crying. In that Vulture interview, he didn't talk about how much time he himself spent with a lot of the... Um, Fair enough. To know, but sorry, what were you going to say, Sean? Well, I was going to ask, I, so I'm a big Philip Seymour Hoffman fan. Mm. Um, I, I do think that it's interesting that like in almost every movie I think I've seen him in, he's DJing in some way. <laughs> yeah. Like, like I don't care if it's like like the pirate radio or if it's uh, almost you know, famous, almost, almost yeah. famous, or that one with Ben Stiller. Like he's just always just so animated, and I know that the, the scene at the beginning where Doctor Melissa is being explained by Philip Seymour Hoffman. It's equal parts. He's actually explaining how the work is done. And he's a huge character who's just like a mellow guy who's also creepy. Yeah, and, yeah. And like there's a lot going on. And I feel like it was one of those... God, she I really feel... is our exposition vessel, isn't she, in that opening Yeah, book yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, she really is. Like, how does this work? <laughs> yeah. But I didn't learn anything because <laughs> I was watching Philip Seymour Hoffman do his thing. Yeah. And part yeah. of me thinks that I would have been a little bit more invested if I knew more and then part of me thinks I don't want to be lectured to like I could no, read it. Yeah. No, if you like, don't need you're to right, Because you're right. We don't really know how I mean I'm I'm the, like I said what I think happens is really conjecture. Yeah. Like I'm sure I could Google it if I want to. Not that I would have or you could have in 1996. You know it's <laughs> so part of me. You can ask Jeeves. <laughs> <laughs> So part of me wonders if, you know, if more exposition on that would have been useful or if they had just used, you know, Cameron from Ferris Bueller's Day Off to yeah, do yeah. the exposition instead if I would you have retained any maps. of it. You rolled the maps. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a similar Roll. thing as with, um, with time travel in film. You've either got to go the whole hog and explain it to death like in Primer or just wave it away like in Back to the Future. If you, if you do like a weird hybrid of both, 
then no one is happy. You know, you know what they do a really good wave away scene is in Looper, mm. where mm. they're both where yeah, it's the, yeah, the present and future. Yeah. He's like, you know, if we get into this, we're just going to be sitting here drawing diagrams on napkins, yeah, and, yeah. It's, <laughs> and it's going to be so annoying. Yeah. So let me just break it down for you. I'm here, you're me, yeah. but I'm, I'm not always going to be you. Fold a piece of paper in half and stick a pen in it. But you, you, you get that one scene, I think, when they're describing Dorothy, which which sort of feels like the script's way of trying to give it all stakes. Yeah. And that's kind of it, really. I mean, you get a bit of mumbo-jumbo. And you, get, you get stuff like, um, oh yeah, it's definitely a sidewinder. And shit, horizontal rain. <laughs> and okay, we got sisters. Like they just, sort just of little, out little these. dollars. Who are like, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's I enough. I kind of jazz that community. <laughs> <laughs> but I also kind of feel like when they say, "Oh, look, we got sisters," it's like I don't understand. I didn't understand what was happening in that moment. And being told we've got sisters didn't clarify anything, but it gave me words to describe yeah. it with. So I was like, "Oh, so there's sisters. two. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know what sisters are. There's two now. Great." And I suddenly felt like. Okay, so are there going to be more sisters? That wasn't a question anymore. It was just like, I know what to call it. It's like when people say, like, yeah, I'm an alcoholic. And I know that I have a problem because I know the word for it. I don't need to, like, deal with it. I didn't have any questions after that. Sisters. And then, and then, Find a bridge to hide under or a, yeah. a bar to attach yourself to. That was another thing where it was like, I thought, I'm glad I know that. I'm glad I know to attach myself to the pipes. Just like I'm glad I know that quicksand, you, you can't struggle because I might need to know this one. Day. And the, fa- the, the pipes go down 30 feet. 30 feet is not that much. How, no. how deep do pipes have to go before they are not stable? Yeah. Like, why is it an F5? Yeah. <laughs> pipes sustained an F5. An F4 could level a house. So you think an F5 could lift a pipe? Out of 30 feet of ground. Yeah. You'd think, wouldn't you? F- but... Like, 30 feet is literally five tall men. <laughs> Lined up. <laughs> Lined up. That's a... Six of me. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm five, five nine. This <laughs> maybe five ten, but I say five nine to avoid disappointing people in person. <laughs> so you're the opposite of every guy I've ever matched with on a dating app. Let's not pursue that. <laughs> Any further. I know this is going to get cut. You'd be surprised at how little we cut. (laughs) I once went to a pharmacist's office to get a flu jab. And when he came in, I was trying to measure myself on one of those those measuring things for children to find out how tall I was. And when he came in, he was like, uh... Hello. <laughs> I was like, I'm just, I'm just trying to see if I'm five ten. And he just was like, curious. he was like, I can, I can tell you. I was like, no, I see it because see, I'm going on all these dates, and these men keep telling me they're five ten, but then they're shorter than me. Yeah. And he was like, okay, do you want a flu jab now? <laughs> sure. <laughs> What's so bad? Oh, it was the worst. Anyway, like I said, this is not for the so yeah, five men, five tall men, or six Joshes worth of pipes is not very is not very tall, and yet this thing that decimated a barn yeah. is is like the pipe is fine. Yeah, the pipe, the pipe does it. Pipe. It holds strong. Yeah. Although I won't lie, that was <laughs> that was a cool shot though, where they see the feet. And you just think, and, and, oh, you know, I hated it's that shot. Really? Yeah, I thought that was like the like. I was just like, oh, no. <laughs> that was peak suck zone, baby. That was peak suck zone. They didn't suck you, but suck zone. Oh. 
think I, I love this movie. <laughs> <laughs> museum in Wicketa yeah. that is filled with props in this movie oh, and also in Wicketa 650 feet underground is a buried Dorothy prop and the original film reel <laughs> and this community like they, they often like celebrate <clears throat> Twister because, like, they're really proud that Twister was shot in their town which I think is really sweet <laughs> <laughs> Tell me that they watch it on the drive-in. The, the they, yeah, there on. is it. I yeah. think they do have a drive-in. It's a real, <laughs> real, it's a real functioning drive-in too. And there is um a lot of the articles that I read before doing this recording were twenty-year anniversary or twenty-five-year mm. anniversary pieces. So in, in things like Vulture and like you know recognizable publications, not yeah. For it. So it, it clearly is a reasonably mainstream appreciation for this film. And uh, we'd be remiss not to mention well, that I think literally this week mm-hmm. cameras started rolling on Twisters. Well, I thought it was May, but it's, oh, okay. Either way, it's uh, one of the no cars has been announced yet. Yeah, it's a uh, Lee Isaac uh, Chung from Last Luminari, was reported, right? Yeah, I think he's still on it. But, and uh, the title, so... just do a title reveal. And oh, I've already said it. Do you say it? Oh. Twisters. I was just <laughs> excited and looking at my notes. And... <laughs> but this this so, traces. Sorry. Go on. But yeah, we are getting a legacy yeah. sequel to Twister. Yeah. Uh, again, no cast has been officially confirmed yet, but by all accounts, Helen Hunt is involved. Yeah. But it is a sequel. It is a it's sequel. One of those yeah. to go I, a handoff. I think that they should have worked it is May, sisters sorry. into that title somehow. Like, <laughs> Twister sisters. Twister yeah. sisters. Are doing it for themselves. <laughs> this, it does. It traces back to because Bill Paxton was a big. Um, mm. uh, if you want a bit a, a Bill, Bill Paxton fix, um, they're not very good documentaries, but it's a lot of him. Aliens of the Deep, the James Cameron underwater documentary, or is it, or is it um, Ghosts of the Abyss? One of the two, the one that's the one that goes to the Titanic. Titanic yeah. yeah, it's Bill Paxton narrating. He's like taken underwater by James Cameron, exploring the ruins of the Titanic and narrating the whole thing. And he just he seems like such a good sport, such a top guy, and it's a really good way to get a little bit of that Bill Paxton. Now he's sadly no longer with us mm. but he's on record as saying uh, he felt they ended it with the Pepsi light version of the movie and he often expressed enthusiasm for directing a sequel himself mm. so did Helen Hunt I think yeah well she had a pitch um, in a sequel but the studio rejected it because uh, she wanted to write and direct it and that relied on her character being killed off and they didn't want to kill her off so they that's fair. They well, now they're gonna they're gonna have to kill Bill Paxton off. <gasps> oh, see, what if, they'll just, what if they'll just they be... get a kid who's a daughter? That's surely, it. And that's then, surely the, and yeah. then the dad yeah. gets sucked up by a door. Oh. You could just make a. It could be like yeah, a, a remake yourself. for the future. Well, that's apparently the gist of it is Hun and, and their daughter. So maybe they'll they'll do some kind of Oliver Reading Gladiator, but they wouldn't. I don't think they do that. I think it would just have died off screen at some point. You know what I would love? I would love this. They're not gonna make this movie. But I would love if the daughter was just completely uninterested in tornadoes. (laughs) (laughs) If she was like, I don't want to chase a tornado. I want to go to a regular school. (laughs) This is like Lady Bird, but just set with the, in in the Twister universe. Yeah, exactly. 
<laughs> Twister Sisters. Man, that's what, that's what yes. I'm saying. Twister like, Sisters. Twister Sisters. Um, or like, or oh, a remake of Sister Sister, but it's Twister Twister, and it's two tornadoes that parted ways at birth, and then they got it back together. Slowly across together. the Midwest. Yeah. <laughs> Twister Sisters. I never knew how much I missed your Twister Sisters. <laughs> Well, that happened. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. Uh, Today's been insane. I've spent about six hours with Twister today. Yeah. yeah. And we'll, we will be doing it again because <laughs> <laughs> Twister's is scheduled for release next summer. <laughs> well, I think the last one on the matter should go to Yanderbond himself. I think, I think it was before the Legacy sequel was fully announced. This was back when it was originally going to be a remake. Mm. But he said... Um, you cannot do it by making it bigger. I've forgotten how I did the accent now. I don't think you ever do really had a strong You cannot do it by making it bigger. That, as a movie, hardly ever works. You have to come up with a with people people actually involved in it. You cannot just... It's like I, I work on the destruction scene. We're going to get worse and whole cities are going to get destroyed. That's exactly like falling into the trap of having special effects completely take over. I so can't I believe his... that Kermit the Frog <laughs> <laughs> just to tell us about the latest part of the Muppet movie. <laughs> <laughs> so Yenderbond is concerned that the new one will be like... It will be OB better than the film he made. <laughs> I mean, I, I, oh, but movies have graduated past... Like, I don't blame him for being worried that they're going to make a spectacle. And I am especially concerned, I mean... As much as I'm concerned about the sequel to Twister, <laughs> I'm I guess I would understand the concern that there's a whole community of people who actually do this work who yeah. are behind this film. Yeah. And like when you think about how movies like I'm I'm literally just thinking about all the Michael Bay movies where just mm. like the the special effects just get bigger and bigger and bigger. Before you know it, you know, it's a it's a cyclone that takes over all of North America mm. or whatever. Yeah. It's fifty five. <laughs> you know. Uh, so I can, I can Transformers five. Yeah, I, I, I can totally understand him saying like, "I don't want this to get mm. so big that it's unrealistic and not true to the fans that are really connected with it." Which is why I think Lee Isaac Chung as a director directorial appointment makes me think they're going in a very different way. Yeah, because mm. he, he's a very sensitive humanist filmmaker. What, what is he doing? Minari was his big one right, a couple years ago. It was it was uh, it was a how. I can't remember what it was nominated for at the Oscars beyond best that thing. Best international feature. Oh, best. Was it, what are they it won it? Best, best Supporting act, Actress. I think it was nominated for Best Film Not in the English Language because yeah. it's an American film but it's like over 70% in Korean. Mm. So it technically qualifies for that award. Was it's it, lovely. It's great. Like, yeah. Soft and, and gentle. gentle. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Which so, is why I'm so like, Twisters is going to be quite a... That's why I was a bit like that's an interesting yeah. choice. <laughs> it's either interesting for Twister or very depressing for, you know, yeah. interesting filmmakers with original voices. Also, um, before we completely wrap up on mm. our thoughts on Twister, I'd be remiss not to throw, throw it to Josh for a second because I know in the oh, when yeah. we've had the opportunity in the past <laughs> uh, when a film has had a theme park ride based on it. Uh, Josh Glenn usually has a story to tell from his trip to Universal Theme Parks Florida when he was uh, how old were you? Um, I've been about 14 so you went on the E.T. ride you went on the e. Back e. to the Future this ride this was the same trip this was the same rotation same you went day. on the Jurassic same Park day, ride the earthquake ride remember that yeah, movie earthquake right. 
did you, Josh Glenn, go on the Twister ride? Oh, you betcha. <laughs> you betcha. In my head. Twister, <laughs> dot, 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 ride it out. <laughs> this is the name of it. <laughs> this is going to suck. This is the tagline. Don't be abandoned. In my head, it was one of those things where you stand on a platform and you hold a black bar. You hold a black bar! You attach yourself to a pipe, basically, and watch a screen. And on the screen, it's like a, um, either, a, I think, a bespoke scene of a twister taking place. And on the platform you're on, you know, rocks from side to side kind of thing. A little bit like in the Natural History Museum in London. There's that little recreation of the, oh, yeah. of the earthquake. Yeah. That, that kind of thing. Um, you know... On the grand scheme of things, pretty lame from what I remember. I mean, that day was certainly on the bottom. <laughs> One of the bottom runs of my ride experiences. But I, th- I think it's still there, right? Ah, uh, no. Or is it not? Yeah, it closed in 2015 and was replaced by Race Through New York City, starring Jimmy Fallon. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck's sake. When you, when you went, did they have like the 5D technology? What's the 50? Oh my god, okay, so... <laughs> you need F5. The, F, the F5 technology. No, I yeah, I was attached to a no, pipe, so... I remember my friends would tell me, oh man, we saw like a 5D movie, and I'd be like, okay, well the fourth dimension is time, so what, is that, what does that mean? And they'd be like, okay, so you're in the theatre, you're sitting down, you've got the 3D glasses on, so it feels like everything's coming at you. And then like, you'll, instead of actually physically going through something, I want to stress this, you're literally looking at a screen. Yeah. And so when a water, when a wave comes through, somebody comes out and splashes <laughs> you with a bucket of water. So that's the fourth D. Yeah. And the yeah. fifth D was smell. So like if you're going through an orange oh, grove, somebody comes around and sprays perfume to be like oranges. Just a guy dressed entirely in black, just going. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, I was assuming it was a machine, but it was one of those things where as a kid, I was like, that's so cool. It's like an immersive experience. And as an adult, I'm like, I, I would rather walk on glass. Yeah, like that yeah, can't yeah. have been. I'd rather be an actor in during the production of Krista, thank you very much, than what you were describing. Have you ever been to Universal Studios Florida? No, I've never been to Florida. No, I've been once, but we never did the Universal parts. We were all, went all the Disney Disney joints. Oh, Disney. It's yeah. not really paid off for you in this no, podcast. No, not. <laughs> really <hasn't. laughs> We'll just have to keep turning back to you to theme park correspondent circa 2001 or whatever. We're, we're nearing the end. Oh, the mummy's not a fucking ambling film. No, I think we're nearing the end of my usefulness in as a ride. There's a men in black ride. Correspondent. Hold, keep that to your card to your chest whether you actually went on that. And we'll have the reveal because I genuinely don't know if you did. <laughs> so, my card, card's close to my chest like um, like uh, Commissioner Gordon in Top Merit. <laughs> <laughs> you gave up on that pretty quick. <laughs> also, Commissioner Gordon did, Gordon did not take place cards close to his chest at all. He told Batman everything. Like, everything went through Batman. He wasn't sly. He wasn't coy. Even in a dark night where he faked his death. He <laughs> didn't tell his wife. It's <laughs> a, 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 a very weird bit when Batman's talking to Lucius Fox about some techie ones. And this just goes... Why do you want this? And Batman goes, I'm going to keep this one close to my chest, Lucy- uh, Lucius. He's also Bruce Wayne at this point, so he's not doing that voice. Yes, yeah, weird that he's doing the voice. Scene. He's, <laughs> Bruce Wayne. he's not doing that. And then later on, after we find out Commissioner Gordon's not actually dead, one of his colleagues goes, You're right, Gordon. You do play your cards close to your chest. <laughs> Paying off a line that neither of those guys are present for earlier in the film. Yeah. <laughs> but it got concluding thoughts on Twister. Mm. Uh, I... I just love 
this kind of nineties um, blockbuster. It, it probably is stupid nostalgia, and I'm sure that the, the dumb kids will look back on like the failed dark universe movies <laughs> with similar fondness. But I really do like because a lot of these nineties flopbusters. Well, not that it was a flop, this one, but a, a lot of these, <laughs> a lot of the films of this ilk are mostly practical or do a lot of practical work and they're, they're big swings in a way that you wouldn't get today and I do as, as, as much as it is silly and didn't fully work for me I, I, I respect its chutzpah and I'm pleased that we have this mm. I think and I probably will watch it again <laughs> before I die and before you die or before you leave this room? <laughs> I'm not watching it. <laughs> Hopefully those two events are far apart, but to be safe, I'll watch it now before we go. What about yourself, Charlotte? Any closing remarks for the film Twister? Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's one of those things you got to accept it for what it is. Mm. It's a movie from the 90s about tornadoes. Yeah, let's let's. I I, I wouldn't want to pick it apart. It's you know it's the only one of its kind out there. So yeah, you spent two hours picking it apart. I mean, yeah. Do you regret it? Yeah, I'm (laughs) (laughs) leaving. This is a horrible mistake. Could it? it? (laughs) All I I'll say is this film for me really cemented. The fact for me that I think speed is an absolute fluke on Yandabon's <laughs> filmography. <laughs> Have you ever seen Speed 2 Cruise Control? Yes. All the haunting. Yes. All Lara Croft yes. Tomb Raider of life. Lara Croft Tomb Raider of I think, Cradle, I, I think I'm full for Yandabon's t- uh, filmography. Oh, have you guys seen Sp- Speed 3? <laughs> it's called The Lake House. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. I do like the lake house. Gradually, <laughs> the, the vessels are getting slower and slower. So you go from a, a bus to a cruise boat to a house. Which, you know, as this film attests, houses can have some velocity. Yeah. As poor as the poor DOP Jack N. Green found out, houses can, you know, move fast. Get out of there! Hurry! There's no place to run. There's nowhere to hide. No time to escape. Don't think. There's got drop right on it. Find something to grab a hold of. Don't breathe. And never, ever look back. Twister. G13 starts Friday, May 10th at a theater near you. <laughs> Guys, do you hear that? We That's do. Knock at the door. I think it's an F5. <laughs> <laughs> What's this? It's a box of twisters. <laughs> did, you, did you ask for this to happen? We have past guests. <laughs> Emily. Take them in the room with a box of twisters, which she delivered to us whilst twisting. <laughs> For anyone not able to appreciate this joke, Emily Tatham just came in, vaping and spinning around like a mad woman, only to stop pa- and pause to hand us a box of twister mini Are ice creams. Are these seriously for us to have? Yeah. Oh. Hell yeah. Oh. And the way she spins. 
<laughs> I've never had one of these. Seriously? Whoa. They're, they're very British. They're very British. British. Yeah. They're very wolves. Yeah. <laughs> you've, got really you've, got, you've got the standard um, green ones, or you can have the non-standard. But equally is it like the ones, ones? Is it the ones where it's the red inverse? Yeah, 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 <laughs> so, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, so yeah. is it like... Twister are they, Sisters. Are they, are they different flavors? It's all like barely. lime and strawberry with a bit of cream. But um, I thought that would be a nice little oh, thing Andy, to... Andy, you take such good care of us. <laughs> yeah. mm. oh. uh, this, like, this is now going to become a slight ASMR podcast as we eat some ice cream. Bearing me. <laughs> Bearing me, my twister. <laughs> <laughs> this has been our episode on Twister. Uh, Charlotte, <laughs> is there anything you'd like to plug or... Any socials you'd like to flag for our listeners? You can say no. Where can they find you? <laughs> I've got a bullet journal Instagram that I haven't posted on in years. Um, uh, tell the listeners what you think of your first uh, Twister oh, ice yeah. cream lollipop experience. Okay, so it's pineapple, which I don't know if I would assume is a... I mean, I... <laughs> it's not a great... <laughs> it's an odd flip, so I'm basically... Listeners, I'm... <laughs> I'm sucking on a, uh, God, this is about to turn pornographic. So the center, We're so, in the sun sun. Sun. We're in the <laughs> so the center is like a, uh, a fruit juice that's like frozen. And then mm. the outside is, is stripes of like cream. Our listeners and, will know what a twister is. <laughs> Uh, I, don't think, I don't think that you know what the a United huge... States is our second best territory. I was going to say, I don't think that you guys know what an influx of listeners you're going to get from Canada. <laughs> oh, that's Sunday Times piece, guys. Oh, yeah. Which will be out by this point. Oh, I just meant like my parents. <laughs> um, yeah, so they won't know. So I feel like pineapple and cream is a little bit of an odd combination. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's alright. <laughs> Better or worse than the film Twister? Of its I feel sake. like I feel like if you're going to accept something for what it is and just go with it and enjoy it, this is definitely like the film Twister. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a weird day. <laughs> and what a weird couple of hours or however long the episode is by the time yeah. you've got it together. <laughs> uh, this has indeed been our episode on <laughs> Young Yabont's Twister. To do please join us next time for our episode where we'll be taking a look at David Kep's directorial debut, The Mystery Thriller, mm-hmm. The Trigger Effect, starring Amblin Alumni, Carl McLaughlin, Elizabeth Shue, and Dermot Mulroney. If you don't happen to have the film to disc, it is available to rent or buy digitally from Amazon, Apple TV, Google Play, Microsoft, Sky Store, and YouTube. Leverkusen. Leverkusen. I love when you roll your eyes. Uh, if you have seen the film and have thoughts you want to share with us, please tweet us at ramblinamblin or email us at ramblinaboutamblin at gmail.com. That is amblin. No, it's not. That's ramblinaboutamblin at gmail.com. And while your device is in your hand, please give us a like, a review, a subscribe, a rating, all the things. Uh, Indeed. I- the newly recommended by the in. Sunday Times culture magazine, <laughs> Amblin and Amblin podcast. <laughs> what a demented if you've us for the first time in this episode, welcome. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a pleasure having you here, as it has having you here, Charlotte. Uh, I've had a great time chatting to us and eating twisters. <laughs> <Very nice. laughs> Cheers. Thanks for having me on, you guys. Yeah, we look forward to having you back on sometime sure. in the future. Um, until then, I've been Andy Cody.
And Joshua. <laughs> with a brain freeze. <laughs> and all together we've been rambling. An Amblin podcast all about 1996 Twister. Please join us next time for the trigger effect. Until then, keep rambling and happy watching. Take it easy, Twister sisters. <laughs> That's our new sign-off. <laughs>